So the title is Can Dry Bones Live? And um, so we're going to start in Ezekiel. Can we put Ezekiel up there? Ezekiel 37. Can you all see that okay? Okay, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. I'm going to start with just 1 through 7. And the, oh, I'm sorry. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. By the way, this part should be R-rated, I think, for gore. And, uh, I don't know, maybe you've not read this yet, but um, the valley was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, and I love this. This makes me every time I read this. Uh, I'm kind of smiling right now, if you can't tell. Uh, <clears throat> so he says, can these bones live? And that's the uh, title of this uh, presentation this morning, Can Dry bones live. Okay, so God is saying, can, can these live? And, uh, you know, Ezekiel didn't want to be wrong. He didn't want to give the wrong answer. We can identify with that, can't we? And uh, so he says, oh, Lord, you know. Can dry bones live? Oh, Lord, you know. It'd be kind of like when I was in the second grade and, the, uh, and my teacher said, uh, Jim, what's nine times five? And I might have said, oh, teacher, you know. <laughs> I didn't. By the way, it's 45. Am I right? Yeah, 45. Okay. All righty. Well, I'm doing good on my math so far. <clears throat> so then again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter to you, and you shall live. Again, can dry bones live? Yes, God says, he got the right answer here. Uh, you will live. All right. I got nine times five, but I think God's was a bigger deal than mine. So, yes, you shall live. And he says, verse six, I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling. Are you scared yet? No, you don't scare easily, do you? Suddenly there was a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Now let's go on with our, in uh, reading verses 8 through 11 of Ezekiel 37, 8 through 11. Indeed, as I looked, the sin, oh, did I read that already? Oh, no, 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 no. That's a repetition of verse 6. But indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, 
come from the four winds. Now, let me just explain something here. The, the Jews, and we'll get to that more in a minute, were scattered throughout the uh, four corners or the four winds of the earth. And so he's saying here, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Now, I wonder who he's talking about here. Well, let's read the next verse. I think we'll find out. Uh, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Let me share a little backstory to that. And um, so, oh, by the way, I should mention, and I didn't already, but uh, Gene and I and our two kids lived in Israel for six years. This was from 1986 through 1992. And so we've seen some remarkable things in those six years we were over there. And um, so when I'm sharing these things this morning, I, you know, I'm uh, getting little chills and things just uh, thinking about how uh, wonderful God was and doing what he did with the nation of Israel and is still doing with them. Um, so, um, backstory. God had brought Israel into the promised land and gave them a place of their own, a country of their own. They served God with all their heart and next thing you know, they were backsliding with all their heart and uh, beginning to serve false gods and to subscribe to false religions. And God punished them. And uh, then everything was hunky-dory for a long time. And, and then pretty soon, uh, you know, they, they repented, they turned back to God, served God, and then they started rebelling again and uh, backsliding again. So this was happen happening so much. It's kind of like a roller coaster ride. And, uh, you know, they had their highs, they had their lows, and sometimes it happened pretty quickly. Okay, so uh, finally God said enough of this and brought in the Roman army, and they destroyed much of Jerusalem and destroyed the temple of God. The Jewish people were scattered. They were scattered throughout the whole earth, as I already mentioned, and uh, north, south, east, and west. And um, as they were scattered and, and spent time in these various new uh, places, they, they were partly uh, assimilated, is that the right word? Assimilated into other cultures, and um, they were intermarrying with uh, people from those new um, homes, those new countries they were a part of. And um, so through mixed marriages, they began to look like other people and speak their languages. And uh, by the way, the Mossad, how many know what the Mossad is? It's Israel's secret service. Israel's secret service, you know, spies, espionage. Okay, so the Mossad takes advantage of that, the fact that they now have Jews from all over the world who actually look like people from the countries that they came out of and speak to the languages. So, for example, if Israel wants to send a spy into Iran, Israel's arch enemy, they want to send a spy in, all they have to do is pick one of many 
uh, Jews who, are, who came from Iran, who uh, uh, came to the land of Israel and uh, made that their home. And then, so it makes them very effective. They can, they can really blend in in other nations throughout the world and do their spying. So, uh, um, let's see, through mixed marriages, oh yeah. Then, uh, then, okay, in the verse 11, which I read, they say, our hope is lost. And they were beginning, in some cases, to lose their Jewish identity. Others held fast to their Jewish roots. But some of them were losing. They were, they were despairing of not having their uh, promised land. And uh, so many of them held on to their uh, faith and their customs. Now, let's see. Let's look at verses 12 through 12 and 13 only right now. So... Uh, 12 says, therefore prophesy to them and them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Back to where they started from. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I want to share with you a couple of things uh, that have been going on. Um, he says he would bring them back to the land of Israel. And uh, some more of that backstory I mentioned. Uh, since the late 1800s, how many remember the, no, no, nobody remembers the late 1800s. Uh, the late 1900s, yeah, not really. Okay, so, but back uh, since the late, late 1800s, Jews from all over the world uh, were doing what uh, Ezekiel prophesied here. They were uh, coming back to the land of Israel. And uh, so from all over the world, coming back, and, and this is the land, by the way, the land of Israel was called by God in, in Genesis 17, 8. It was an everlasting possession. Now, now how long does everlasting last? Yeah. So everlasting. Now, here's, here's a problem, though. Uh, throughout history, you know, okay, the Jews were driven out by the Roman army, and uh, they weren't there. What, what about this everlasting possession? Well, God held their place in line, you know. God held their place for them. He, got, he held their seat for them. And uh, many years later, after, after many nations had ruled over uh, the land of Israel, and I'll say more about that in a moment, then here's the Jews coming back, and now there's a, uh, a new uh, modern nation of Israel uh, sprung up from all these immigrants. Okay, now, uh, let's see. Emma, would you put up that first picture, please? Yeah, see this? Where do you suppose these people are from, and who do you suppose they are? Ethiopia, Ethiopia, and they are Jewish. Jewish. Now, how does that happen that uh, there are Jews in Ethiopia? Well, um, who do we know that? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. This is uh, this is called this was called Operation Solomon. Then, when when God. Uh, Airlifted, you know, by by uh, way of the Israel, the nation of Israel, airlifted um, thousands of 
Ethiopian Jews from Addis Ababa, their capital. And uh, we were there, by the way. We were there in 1991 when uh, uh, Operation Solomon took place. Operation Solomon. Okay, and in that operation, uh, Israel sent 35, 35 planes to Addis Ababa. I think it's 1,600 miles one way and back again, and they, uh, they used uh, 35 planes, and they did all this in 36 hours. They brought in 14,325 Ethiopian Jews within that time frame of 36 hours. Now, that's a monumental task. You notice here, by the way, see, Israel had to find every plane available. They used uh, uh, commercial airline, El Al, and... Uh, they used uh, military planes. They used cargo planes, everything they could find. And uh, first thing they did was took all the seats out. All the seats had to come out. And show that next picture, Emma, please. And this is what it looked like. Uh, I know Beth saw this picture and, and said, uh, you know, remarked how cramped they were in that uh, and they're just pushed in as many as they could because they had to. They had only a certain amount of time to get as many Jews as possible out of Ethiopia. And uh, so they, they did their best, and they had to fly without seatbelts, of course. Maybe they held on to each other. I don't know. But uh, so here they are. And uh, so then suddenly, now, again, we were there, and we lived in downtown Jerusalem, and there's a, there's a pedestrian mall close to where we live called the Ben Yehuda pedestrian mall, I guess, and uh, people from all over the city would come and just uh, go, you know, have pizza and ice cream and, and uh, just hang out there. And uh, so we had a friend, we had friends in our church there, uh, one in particular, uh, uh, Peter Ataja, and he was from Ghana. He was from Ghana, okay? So he was downtown, and all these Ethiopians were coming in, and all these... Uh, you know, dark brown Jews are showing up on the streets of the city and throughout the nation of Israel. Um, so, and the, the Israelis were going up to these Ethiopians and, and welcoming them. And, uh, you know, so glad to have you here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And so my friend Peter from, from Ghana, he was walking along and a couple of Israelis came up and says, welcome to you. And uh, he said, oh, well, thank you. But he said, I'm not Ethiopian. He said, I'm from Ghana. And so they were taken back a little bit. And, and one of them said, welcome anyway. <laughs> welcome anyway. So, great. Well, now, this was only uh, one of these big operations, Operation Solomon, where uh, 14,325 Ethiopian Jews were airlifted. Uh, there was another one uh, two years before we got there. And this one was called, also to Ethiopia, and this one was called Operation Moses. You remember something about Moses? He married a lady from what country? Moses married an Ethiopian. So why are there so many Ethiopian Jews? Well, ask Moses. <laughs> okay. So, um, so there was an earlier one anyway like this. Uh, it was another airlift. And... Uh, Oops, I'm off, I'm on. So, um, In that one, there, there were 8,000 
uh, Ethiopian Jews that came. So you total all that up, and in, in that time frame from 1984 to 1991, 22,325. Uh, so God was doing what he said he would do. He was going to bring them back from the north, south, east, and west, and he did. And he's still doing it, by the way. Still doing it. Uh, now let's talk about the Russians for a moment. Could you go to the next picture, please? Let's talk about the Russians, all waving flags. And by the way, if you're, if you're Jewish and you want to immigrate to Israel, automatic citizenship. You don't have to, there's no waiting period, no test to take. See if you can speak Hebrew. Uh, but the nation of Israel is very accommodating to, to be able to uh, deal with all these, uh, these, this influx of, of uh, Jews from other lands. And they set them up in Hebrew language schools right away and things like that. Find them jobs, find them places to live, help them out with groceries and stuff until they get settled in. And uh, very, okay, so um, the Russians, yeah, let's talk about them for a moment. And again, we were there, we were there in 1990 and 91 when 330,000 Russians, Russian Jews, came to live in Israel, 330,000, just in that two-year period. Um, but there's, there's more, really. Um, from 1989 through 2014, one million Russian Jews have immigrated to Israel. Incredible, isn't it? Well, God is doing this from the north, from the south, so far, and he's also doing it from the east and the west. But I don't have any stories about that, so... Uh, but uh, anyway, one million. And uh, let's see, there's one more picture, I think. I believe, yeah, here's an LL Israel airline. The guy in the middle on the bottom has an Indiana sweatshirt or T-shirt on. Did you notice that? You see it? Oh, it's over here too, isn't it? And Indiana. Now, that might be the wrong picture because it seems like it says 2007, and that's, that's something else, but anyway. This is the kind of ride they got <laughs> uh, from all these places. And uh, now, uh, so let's go back uh, to, no, no, let's, let's trade pages. A little intermission here. I have to type all this out, all the scripture. I, so, so we have to do all this and line them all up again. Okay, intermission's over. Uh, did you enjoy it, by the way? <laughs> so, uh, God has been restoring Jewish people to the promised land. Again, it was an everlasting promise. And uh, he's continuing to do so to this day. There are immigrants coming from all over the world. Now, the, the Jews began to arrive in the late 1800s. And at first, they were welcomed with open arms by the Arab residents, the Arab residents of the land. And in fact, the Arabs sold them land, not the best land. They sold them swamp land and some things that no one else wanted. But the, is the Jews took advantage of every you know, square inch that they could get of that land. And they, they drained swamps. They, they made the desert bloom like a rose, which is also in scripture. And... Uh, they're one of the, one of the biggest uh, uh, names in agriculture in the world today. 
because of uh, you know learning how to reclaim things and to make things grow. So um, anyway, there, there was uh, first they were welcomed by the Arab uh, inhabitants, and uh, they uh, later on, as they saw, as the Arabs saw the the uh, population growing and growing and growing, they became afraid. Just kind of like in Egypt when Israel was, uh, you know. Uh, slaving away in Egypt, and when uh, when Pharaoh saw them increasing, they began to be afraid of them. And so the same kind of thing happened in modern times. Uh, and so there were skirmishes that broke out between them, there were a lot of fights. I don't mean just street flight fights, but, uh, you know, guns and, and uh, everything. And, well, uh, the Israel was not very well prepared for armed conflict when they first came to the land. They had, well, I must say first that, that Israel, or Palestine as it was called at the time, uh, was under the uh, jurisdiction of, the, of Great Britain. And, and, the, and the British ruled there from, uh, let's see, where is that figure? Uh, 1917, here it is, from 1917 to 1948. But it came, came to the point there were so many uh, conflicts, so, many, uh, so much fighting going on, that the British threw up their hands and said, we're getting out of here, basically is what they, what they wanted to do. And they did. They packed up and they went home. And they, uh, uh, you know, just left the Jews and the Arabs to duke it out. Okay, so uh, they pulled out and left the Arabs to fight. And by the way, in 1948 is when the modern state of Israel was reborn, reborn. And they, they declared in 1948, the Israelis declared that this is our land and uh, you know, we're taking over here. And they declared their independence. And uh, they're not, well, anyway, <laughs> let's go on. Um, if you ever read anything, and, and this is a whole other subject that, that uh, I could spend time with, but I'm not going to. I'm watching the clock and uh, so, but the, the war, the War of Independence in 1948 between Israel and who were they fighting? Just a few of the local yokels. They were fighting five nations, five Arab nations that surrounded Israel and, uh, and their respective armies. And Israel was ill-equipped to wage a war like this in fact, there were still immigrant ships coming in with hundreds of, and tens of, of thousands of immigrants from Europe. Remember what was going on in 1948? Let's see, the World War II was over in 1945. The Jews were desperately trying to find a home where people would receive them. Uh, you know what Hitler did? Killed six million Jews. Six million, and so the Jews were fleeing to other countries, but other countries weren't taking them in, and finally they figured out they're going to have to uh, find their own homeland and, and said, oh, Israel. God gave that to us for an everlasting possession, so let's go back there. And so they began uh, taking ships and, and whatever by land, walking, and uh, some of these ships were unloading their people who were from a lot of different European countries and spoke different languages. And the war had already started when these immigrants are still arriving and the Israelis were greeting them <laughs> at the beach and handing them rifles and saying, here, go fight for your land. And they literally had to do it with no training, not knowing the language, not knowing Hebrew, and they fought for the land. 
What I'm trying to say, I guess, is that the 1948 War of Independence was nothing short of miraculous, that a tiny nation of Jews could stand up against five well-equipped Arab armies. So they did, and they won their independence. Okay, so let's move on to the, the last section, which won't be as long as the first, I promise you. Um, and that is, well, we saw um, God is restoring Israel, um, you know, their land. And uh, now we want to look at another section here, which is God restoring them spiritually. And uh, verse uh, 14 of Ezekiel 37, verse 14, uh, God says, I will put my spirit in you. Okay, we saw, you know, that God raised up dry bones, so physically restored, but now he says, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land, he says, your own land. Remember the everlasting possession. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Now let's go to Romans, Romans chapter 11. And by the way, time out for a, time out for a commercial. Uh, Sister Dietrich said there's some uh, sign-up sheets out in the uh, foyer or vestibule or out there anyway. And, uh, and we're starting one in our, in our, at our house. We've enjoyed being at the Carters for the last many weeks and uh, talking about marriage. And I thought, well, we've been married 49 years. We don't need this. But I found, well, yeah, we do, after all. <laughs> and we thoroughly enjoyed being with the Carters for those many weeks. And, and uh, now we're uh, going to open up shop at our house, and we'll be doing the Book of Romans from start to finish. And uh, that's going to be good. So if you would, and you're interested, sign up today and put your phone number on there so we'll know how to get a hold of you and... Uh, and I also need you to sign up as quickly as possible so I'll know how many books to order for this. Okay, commercial's over. Let's move on. Uh, so Romans chapter 11, verse um, 1 and 2. He's, uh, again, he's restoring the land physically and will restore the people spiritually. Um, Verse, okay, a lot of people have been saying, in fact, since I was, uh, I, I grew up in church. I grew up in a church that didn't think that Israel was important. They, did, they thought that God was finished. He was through with the Jew and wasn't interested in them anymore. Well, wrong, wrong, wrong. And, uh, but that's the way I was, I was raised hearing this. And uh, so, uh, Paul is asking this question in chapter 11, verse uh, 25. Let's see, let's do verse 1 and 2 first. I say then, has God cast away his people? You see, that's what they were telling us all these years. God had cast them away. And Paul says, very emphatic, he says, certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. And just to reemphasize God has not cast away his people. This is the Apostle Paul. And then uh, verse 25 through 29, he says, I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness 
in part, in other words, temporary blindness, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. In 26, he says, and so, and this is a big one here, and so all Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And a lot of people will say, well, wait a minute. They killed Jesus. They killed our Savior. Well, yes, actually the Romans crucified him, so they were at fault. Uh, Jews, the, and not all the Jews, because remember the common people heard Jesus gladly. And, and in fact, many of the high priests were obedient to the, the faith, his faith in Jesus. So it wasn't all, we can't generalize there, but yet, yes, the, the Jews did have their part. However, what did Jesus say as he was hanging there on the cross? He said a few things, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. So if, if Jesus hanging on the cross, suffering uh, such a cruel death, could say, Father, forgive them, then we, you know, we Gentiles, we Christians, ought to be able to chime in and say, yes, Father, forgive them, and uh, learn to love them. <laughs> and, uh, okay, so, and, uh, hmm, where are we at? Oh, yeah, verse 25 through 29 talks about all Israel being saved. Let's go back to that for a moment. And, and what does it mean in Scripture when it says all? <laughs> Like he will heal all your diseases. Does it mean a few? He means all, yeah. Now, there's only, uh, when he says all Israel shall be saved, at the very least, that's going to be a whole lot of people. And in fact, a whole lot more than the 144,000 which are sealed in the book of Revelation. Because 144,000 is a drop in the bucket. Compared to the current population of Israel, 9 million. So 145,000 sounds like a lot, but not really so many. Well, all Israel shall be saved. And, and uh, I, I just want to tell you that today in the world, is there any hope for the Jews? Will they ever embrace Jesus as Messiah and Savior and Son of God? Well, in the world today, there are approximately... 350,000 Messianic Jews. Messianic Jews, uh, Messianic coming from Messiah. These are Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, and that indeed he's the Son of God. These are Messianic Jews. 350,000. But again, drop in the bucket. I mean, it's encouraging. It's encouraging to know that. But it's still a very small amount. So, so even... And, and, and if there are already 350,000 Jews uh, worldwide who have received Jesus, then that's uh, more than double the 144,000, isn't it? So it would be kind of like the, with a Jehovah's Witness. You know, they, they had this thing a long time ago where they said uh, the 144,000 in the book of Revelation are Jehovah's Witnesses. That's us. Stamped their name on it. But what happened? Well, soon they grew past that number, way past that number. And so what were they to do? They had to rewrite their doctrine. They had to rethink it. 
And uh, now there's definitely a reason for the 144,000 in, in the book of Revelation. But what I'm saying in, to you is that's not the total amount, total amount of Jews because here we just read that all Israel shall be saved. So if it doesn't mean literally all, it sure does mean a whole lot more than we think it means. No, we, we've had, uh, we've uh, been, uh, well, we've been to revivals and uh, there have been great revivals that have swept the world over the history of the church and um, where God, in, in many cases, just moved sovereignly. He decided to do something special because he wanted to and people were getting saved right and left. We've had many revivals and so for the, for the uh, those who say, well, I don't think there's really any hope for a Jewish person. You don't think they could have a revival? You don't think that God can move sovereignly and, and have a revival and start saving them right and left? I think he can. Um, now, in Israel itself, there are somewhere between 10 and 20,000 Messianic Jews. Again, encouraging on one hand, but on the other hand, again, another drop in the bucket. I just want to close with some excerpts from Zechariah 8, and you don't have that back there, Emma, so don't worry about it. But Zechariah 8, I just want to read some verses from there. And uh, God says, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. Again, Zechariah 8, and that's verse 7. Save my people from the east and the west. Verse 8 says, I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem and they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. And then verse 13, he says, just as you, Israel, were a curse among the nations. Let's stop there a moment. You know that Israel is hated by so many nations. I mean, Hitler really had a thing against them and the, the whole uh, Nazi German Nazi uh, war machine. But other countries, you know, they, as they fled Nazi Germany, they were being cast out from other countries. There's a, uh, we haven't watched the movie yet, but there's a ship. What was that called, Gene? Do you remember the name? Oh, it was called a coffin ship. And it was full of thousands of, of Jewish uh, refugees fleeing Nazi Germany and trying to find a home uh, somewhere. And port after port, country after country, they wouldn't let them unload their, their precious cargo. Wouldn't let them in. So they finally, the only place they could go was Israel. And they let them in. So, uh, yeah, so as you, as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you and you shall be a blessing. You shall be a blessing. And by, by the way, do you know, you know that passage in Psalms that says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem? You know that one? Shalu, shalom, Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, we should do that as, as children of God, as, as believers. And uh, then the, in that same verse in the Psalm, he says, uh, those who love Jerusalem shall prosper, shall prosper. <laughs> and, I, and a footnote to that, when we lived over there, uh, it was the first time in our marriage that we began to prosper and, and do well financially. Now, that doesn't mean 
you know, that doesn't mean we go to God in prayer after, after this little uh, presentation and say, okay, God, I love Israel. Where's my money? It doesn't work quite that way. You know, you've got to be sincere in heart for God to bless that way. Okay, so uh, you were cursed. I will save you and you shall be a blessing. Verse 22 of Zechariah 8 says, Yes, and many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Now, we get into an area here called the uh, millennium, called the thousand-year reign of Jesus, which as a church we uh, subscribe to that, about the uh, thousand-year reign of Jesus on the earth and him reigning as king in Jerusalem. And so some of this might overlap into that time. Some might be before that time. But it, he, <laughs> this last verse really gets me uh, as, as much a, as people and even sadly some Christians have despised the Jews. Listen to what it says here um, through the prophet Zechariah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. So it'll be such a great revival. You know, this, all these uh, things will be spread abroad. Everybody will know about it and they'll want to latch on to a Jewish man and say, uh, share with us, tell us about it. Okay, and, and one last verse, uh, God, calls, uh, God calls in Psalm 135, 4, God says that Israel is my special treasure. Why should we love Israel? Uh, because God loves them and they are his special treasure.